0: the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. This is Ace Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics the going back, up. He will watch him fly. and 29 other MLB clubs. Two-two pitch on Trout, and he blasts one way back. Go Three it! Cody Bellinger hits one out. He oh. also, he's your home runder. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Live. Here's Chris Townsend.
1: Good afternoon, everybody. It is time for a little A's Cast Live, and we've got a great show for you today. Mike Petriello from MLB.com will be here. It's a Wednesday is it Wednesday or say Thursday? It's a Thursday. So today's a Ray Fossey day because we had Wednesday off. I'm losing track of my day. Sarah Langs will be here at 5 o'clock. And then the voice of summer, Ken Korak, will be here at 530. We do have some breaking news. But before we get to that, I know a lot of people have questioned what's happened with you and Twitter. And there's been some people that have accused me of not being on Twitter because of the things that are going on with this organization and the city of Oakland. I'm going to tell you that is not true. I now have officially been banned from Twitter. So one day I tried to pop onto my Twitter account. It said something was wrong with my password. I tried to reset my password. And they w- they just kept sending me these notes that your file is being looked at, we'll get back to you. I did that probably eight times. And finally, Twitter has responded by saying, hello, we're writing to let you know that we're unable to verify you as the account owner. We know this is disappointing to hear, but we can't assist you further with accessing your account. If you know which email address is associated with the account, you no longer have access to that email, which is not correct. I'm on that email right now. Please contact your email provider for assistance. For privacy reasons, we cannot provide any information about this account's email address. You're more than welcome to create a new account to get back onto Twitter. Please do not respond to this email as replies to this account are not monitored. So essentially, Commander, they took away my blue check mark. They, I went from all the people that I was following. They zapped all the people I was following. I've now dropped under 20,000 people. I haven't been able to be on my account in well over a month. And they respond with, sucks to be you. Now you might say, Chris, what did you do? I didn't do anything. Except tweet about the A's, baseball, and our show. I'm not buying this as a coincidence. I'm not some random guy. I've never cursed. You can go through my entire timeline. I've never cursed one time. I've never retweeted anything political. I've never, you know, I mean, obviously political people are getting banned. I'm not a political person, but I am someone in the media. And I am someone with a blue check mark or had a blue check mark. You're not going to tell me that is strange that they took my blue check mark away and they zapped everybody I was following. It says I'm now following zero people on my account. I'm not buying it. And this is a major problem in our country. And both political parties have agreed on this that we have given these platforms the ability to not be sued to not be questioned they can do whatever they want to do if they don't like your post they can take it off and there's nothing you can do they can take random people and if you go I've been I've been investigating this there's a lot of people right now who are being banned from these platforms like Facebook and Instagram they have all the power and there's nothing anybody can do to them. see that's the difference between being regulated like a radio station right? If a radio station says something that is wrong and against you, you can sue that company. You can go after them. But these platforms were given this ability because all they said was, hey, we don't regulate anything. It's just it's on our platform. We're just a platform. Anybody can do anything they want. And we now know that's an entire lie. Commander, I bring you in. You follow me on Twitter. At Townsend Radio is officially dead as of today, and there's nothing I can do about it. They just said, sorry, can't verify you as the account owner, even though you got my face, you got all the pictures, you got my family, my kids are on on the uh, front page with me, but they can't verify it's me, so sucks to be you. Start another account.
2: It's very odd. I mean, we've been tracking this for, what, it's been like almost two months, so we've been tracking this. And when you told me about it last night, that this was happening, I sent you a funny gift. that, you know, myself and Alex Jensen, the uh, house guests of mine for the week as the ports are in town to play the San Jose Giants. We, we, we found it funny, but it, it, it's, it's really – it's just odd that, that this happened to you, that you went from having all the people wait, wait, you're but following. Why is this
1: odd? This is happening to people all over.
2: But it's just like for you. This is odd. Well, it's odd this... for, for someone like you where you don't tweet anything controversial or anything, where you're tweeting yeah, about. Yeah, I'm
1: not, you know, it's like, you know, I'm not, I've never tweeted about politics, but you know what? It's not odd. This is happening all over the world. They're deciding, and this is my business. This affects me personally. It's how I promote our show. It's how I promote stuff. There's algorithms out there that they're going through people's accounts, especially if you have a blue check mark and you're verified. And all you go on to Twitter, you can research this. There's people all over the place, all of a sudden waking up one day and your account is done. There's something in an algorithm that they found with my account. This is what it has to be. There's no one just going, you know, I could go crazy and say, hey, listen, Twitter's in San Francisco which means a lot of people in San Francisco are working at Twitter. Is there a Giants fan that doesn't like what I have to say about the Giants that went in and messed with my account? You can go conspiracy theory. I'm not buying that. What I am buying is there's got to be something in an algorithm and it's got to be people I was following because it has nothing to do lately with the way everything has gotten crazy with what they like to call council culture. I've only been tweeting about AceCast Live. Now, if you're going to take me off Twitter, because all I tweet about is AceCast Live, and there's, I mean, there's real evil people on Twitter. There's terrorists on Twitter. There's all kinds of people on Twitter. And I get bumped? Something's wrong there. Something is really, really, and it shows you how dangerous these companies can be. That you just erased me off your platform I can't get into my account. I I get, will that account just stay there forever and never get used again?
2: It seems like, I mean, your last tweet was from May 3rd, where you retweeted, it was a retweet of uh, who we had on the show, and it was uh, Bip Roberts, uh, good friend Dan Shulman, and Mark Canna. So I don't know what's so controversial about that. So, excuse me, not a month. May 23rd? Yes. It's been a
1: month and a half for them to get back to me, to tell me, see you later. A month and a half. Something, some type of algorithm, something happened. I don't know. So I just want to tell you that it's not because I've been off Twitter. I have another account now that I'm just going to follow people. I'm not, I think two people are following me. I'm just following baseball people. I'm done. I just. That's disgusting. So it's not that I'm being a coward, and not that I'm I'm running from having to answer your questions about the ballpark and what's going on with the A's and the vote. I've been I've basically been off since May 23rd. So there it is. We do have some breaking news. Live from the ABC Sports desk in New York, I'm Chris Townsend. I have been saying for a long time I want Nelson Cruz to the A's. We're going to play Mike Petriello from MLB.com. We interviewed him earlier today before this trade was announced. I'm not sure if it's official. I'm sorry, A's fans. Nelly
2: Cruz
1: is off the board,
2: Commander. It's uh, it's official. Uh, Nelly Cruz. Uh, is going to the Tampa Bay Rays in a four-player trade. Joe Ryan, the Rays' 10th best prospect, a pitcher in AAA. And Drew uh, Stroutman, their 17th best prospect, from the pitching factory, St. Mary's all of a sudden. uh, St. Mary's is building a a dynasty up there with her starting pitching. He's going – those two guys are going from Tampa to Minnesota. Cruz and a minor league pitcher are going to Tampa Bay. So, Nelson Cruz at Tampa Bay, Jeff Passon had it first on Twitter. The Rays also are uh, are not getting any money from the Twins, so they're going to pay the roughly $5 million that is owed to Nelson Cruz for the remainder of the season. So, big move. Well, there
1: you go. Big well, we wondered, and we'll, we'll ask Mike Petriello. This will be fun. Uh, what's the price you got to pay? So, it's it's your 10th prospect, your 17th prospect, and you're taking all the rest of his money, $5 million.
2: Yeah, so my friends were actually asking me while we when we came on the air, who are the Ace 10th and 17th best prospects? So I looked at the Ace top 30 on mlb.com. This is obviously Ooh. this is before the draft happened. Uh the, right. the Ace 10th best prospect, James Caprillian, well you're not trading him uh, cuz he's in the rotation and he's not a prospect anymore. This this this
1: <laughs> is what I don't get about the prospect. Guys playing in the big leagues are still in, in prospect mode. You're like, you, you get to the big leagues, you're not prospect anymore. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah. Well, this was written before he came to the big leagues, too. So he was number 10. And then Kyle McCann, a, a catcher in the minor leagues, is number 17. Uh, so the, that's the move the Rays made to, to get Nelson Cruz. Uh, they play the Yankees and the Red Sox next week. So, two, you know, they have big series next week. By the way, if you're looking for something to watch tonight uh, on MLB Network, guess who's playing tonight? Uh,
1: I mean, I'd have to think. If it's a network game, it can't be Red Sox-Yankees.
2: They're playing tonight and tomorrow on MLB Network.
1: And then Saturday game of the week. And then I haven't seen the schedule, but here's my rough guess. Saturday game of the week on Fox and Sunday night baseball on ESPN.
2: I did, haven't looked at Sunday night baseball. But I'm going to double check now because I'm curious. Sunday night baseball, no. Sunday baseball Brewers White Sox.
1: Oh, that must be a misprint.
2: Oh, uh, that's to give him some love to the, the Midwest and the uh There's the Brewers.
1: No way. Sunday night baseball is not Red Sox Yankees.
2: Well, the better question is will Jermaine Mercedes be uh will he unretire retire unretire and be in and then come back and play for the White Sox by uh Sunday.
1: By the way, uh Tony Larose is not looking real good on this. He's having to talk about it and you know everybody's like you crush this guy and Tony's like I'm gonna reach out to him yeah this is uh it's not good but uh earlier today we caught up with Mike Petriello from MLB.com and of course you see him on MLB Network a lot to get into with Mike hey it's great to have you back on the program how have you been
3: I've been fantastic. Listen, this has been a fun season. I've been enjoying it. And uh, even from the East Coast, I got to tell you, the A's are a lot of fun to watch each night.
1: Well, you know, I believe everything I read on the internet, I believe everything I see on Twitter. uh, Sounds like the A's are going to be making some moves. What do you got for me?
3: Well, I am not a rumor monger or a newsbreaker, but it's pretty clear that the A's are in contention and they're going to have to do something, right? And the guy I keep going back to... Well, there's two guys really like Trevor story still makes a lot of sense there for me, but uh, Nelson Cruz, right? Like the A's DH situation has not been great. And it was always kind of a weird fit with Mitch Moreland because he's a lefty hitting first baseman and uh, the A's have a pretty good lefty hitting first baseman. So it's not like he's got a lot of other spots to play. Cruz is still like one of the top 10 or so best hitters in baseball, even if he's 41 years old. And if you could add him to the lineup that the A's have, that would really be something like that might be enough to get past or or even or past with Houston in the West
1: there. You know, we've been talking about Cruz because obviously, I mean, he's beat us up over the years. I mean, whether, I mean, (laughs) whether it was in Seattle or is in Texas, we know all about Nelly Cruz. I think he's a phenomenal fit. A guy that's got great power, great numbers at the Coliseum, hits for average, makes contact, which the A's don't do a lot. But my main question is, what do you think you got to give up for a guy who is 41 years old?
3: I don't want to say not much for a guy who's this talented. Like, obviously you're not going to get him for nothing. But if you look around, the twins don't have a ton of options with them. I mean, they could just keep them. You know, they love him in the clubhouse. They could say, listen, we think even though we're not going to win this year, his value to the younger guys is worth it. But I also wonder if they might say, listen, we love him so much. We want to give him a chance to win and maybe see if we can re-sign him in the winter. So when I looked around, you know, there's only like four or five American League teams who need a DH because some of them just aren't competitive this year. Like Texas isn't going to go for a DH or Baltimore. And some of the teams just don't need one because, you know, the Angels have Otani and the Red Sox have Martinez and so on. I've I've seen the rumors. You probably have, too, that there's some National League teams considering playing him in the outfield or just as a pinch hitter off the bench. It's hard for me to see that actually happening. I mean, he hasn't touched his glove in like three years, you know. So. In terms of what would they have to give up, again, I'm not going to say not a lot, but we're not talking about a top five or top ten prospect here.
1: Are we sure he even owns a glove? Uh,
3: You know, it wouldn't surprise me if he did. It feels like he does a little bit of everything. I read that at the All-Star game uh, for Kevin Cash, he was, like, setting the infield shifts, like pretending he was the infield coach, which I got a kick out of. So he's probably got a catcher's net back there somewhere.
1: You know, I got to think, and I could be wrong, but I got to think at this point, you know whether you're a buyer or seller. They always talk about how after the All-Star break, some teams they say, hey, let's give it a week or so to see if we can get back in this thing. But would you agree or disagree that at this point you should know whether you're a buyer or a seller?
3: I think that's true for 90% of teams. I do think there are some edge cases, like the Braves are a great example, right? So they're, they're two games under five they They're in third place. They're without Acuna. They're without Ian Anderson. You know, in my opinion, that makes them a seller. I don't think they have what it takes this year but because the Mets haven't pulled away and because in the next nine games before the trade deadline, I think all nine are before the deadline, they play the Mets and the Phillies, right? So you go on a hot run for a week, all of a sudden you're two games out. I think that changes your perspective a lot as opposed to being, you know, six or seven games out. Otherwise, for the most part, yes. You know, there's a team like the Braves, the Phillies, maybe the, uh, you know, Cleveland or Cincinnati, but most teams, I think, pretty much know what they need and where they can try to get it.
1: How many people do you think are calling the Cubs right now saying, hey, you got some you got some world class players. You got guys that have, you know, won MVPs, World Series, All-Star Games. What what do you think it's like dealing with the Cubs right now?
3: Interesting situation. I put the twins in that group as well because most of the teams who are obvious sellers are that way because they stink. You know, it's like there's not that many guys on Baltimore or Arizona or, or Pittsburgh that you're like desperately trying to get. But Minnesota and Chicago are both in this weird situation where they're not contending. They're going to be sellers, and they have good players to offer. You know, which kind of uh, makes it a little different for them. Like if you look at the Cubs, I know they've got all these stars on expiring contracts, and the truth of the matter is you can't trade them all. You might like to, you might like to blow it up, but you still got to field a team next year. You still got a rabid fan base. I don't think you can sell that. We traded Kimbrell and Bryant and Rizzo and Baez. And half the bullpen. I just I don't think you can do it. So my guess is they will trade, uh, let's say Kimbrel and Bryant, and maybe hang on to Rizzo and Baez. I just I just can't see them doing it all.
1: Well, I I mean if if you could ship Kimbrel to the A's, I I know we would love that. Uh, but I want you to play David Force and Billy Bean here. You know, one thing with the A's is that they always try and win. They never go into a rebuild, so that means you're never going to have a farm system that's rated real high because you're not trying to build from your farm system. So if you are David or Billy and you're out there in the trade market and you don't have a a strong minor league system, how do you pull off the big move?
3: Well, they haven't necessarily. I mean, if you think about the guys they've traded for, When it's been a a larger name, I think a lot of the time it's been a guy on an expiring contract, you know, like a guy who is only there for two months and the rentals just haven't brought back that much return. I mean, even look at the guys who get traded in the winter with one year left, you know, like those kind of guys haven't brought back massive returns over the last couple of years either. So I think you got to maybe not hunt at the top of the market necessarily. And, you know, not that I think they were going to be trading for a guy with a massive long term contract anyway. Um, but, you know, you got to figure out a creative way to do it. Like Trevor Story makes a ton of sense there, and can they do it while also, you know, flipping back Elvis Anders just to, to get him out the door? I don't know, um, but they've always proven in the past that they find creative ways to get these things done.
1: Yeah, that's so interesting, Mike. You know, over the years, the way it really has changed to where front offices have changed, to where, you know, big names back in the day, you'd give up top prospects for a big name, even though it was a rental but in, in modern day baseball with the data that they have just talk about how we don't see those trades anymore that they they you know you got your poker chips and you want to hold on to them longer than they used to
3: it's true i mean and when you think about the guys coming up at the end of the uh, end of their deal i mean the name i always go back to is Manny Machado a couple of years ago right the Orioles held on to him too long they traded him to the Dodgers with two months left in the season for five players and if anybody listening can name more than two of those five players, I'll be extremely impressed because none of them have amounted to, to that much, which is it really sets that franchise back for a guy as, as strong as Machado. I mean, the Mookie Betts trade, it looks okay because Verdugo has been decent, but certainly not to the level you'd expect of a guy like uh, Machado, even the Lindor trade, you know, they got Carrasco with it. So it is true. Like teams don't want just talent. They want controllable talent. I think if you go back to, the cubs a couple years ago like one of the most notable trades which did not actually work out that well uh was when they traded for jose quintana and they had to give up loy jimenez to do it and part of the reason for that was quintana was under team control for like four more years or something at that point that's what they were looking at in addition to the talent of the player
1: yeah just made me think of uh, your meme mercedes as he got off to such a great start And then, of course, the controversial, I didn't think it was controversial, but Tony LaRusso thought it was controversial, swinging 3-0 when a position player is on the mound. And now he is retired. He got off to such a great start. I mean, for his age, being in the big leagues, thinking he's living a dream to where now he wants that dream to end. Just how tragic is this story?
3: Well, I hate to blow up the question, but I just thought reported a couple of minutes ago that he's in uniform for the triple a game tonight. So I have absolutely no idea what's going on there. Oh my God. <laughs> he changed his mind. He's in, he's out. It's, it's very unclear. Did he actually retire and he got talked out of it? I, I feel like there's a lot we still don't know about that situation. Yes.
1: Well, how do you feel about the way it was handled?
3: Uh, as far as him announcing it on Instagram and not telling the team about it. <laughs> And <laughs> not, then,
1: I mean, but I, I mean, some of this has to be with what happened with Tony La Russa, I think no question.
3: Um, I think part of it, but I, I think not necessarily all of it. Uh, I have two different thoughts on that. The first is I I am not a Tony La Russa fan. I didn't think he should have gotten the job. But I do think it's overly simplistic to say that Mercedes, Mercedes collapse was because of that whole incident in Minnesota. Like, I think La Russa ha- handled it poorly. But I also think if you look at the way his Mercedes season was going – you know, you had a 28 year old rookie hitting like 415 in April. You know, so if you thought that was actually going to persist all year, that that's on you, not on Tony Larusa, because uh, that was never going to happen. Now, I'll buy that Larusa not backing up a young player hurt his confidence and made it harder to come back and rebound from the slump. I'll buy that, but Larusa didn't cause it. The other thing is, so he went to AAA and he's played in like 13 or 14 games, and he's been hitting the ball really well. And so I think part of his frustration is not just about Garusa, uh, but the fact that he hasn't been called back up. And I think what's happening here is if you look at the White Sox right now, other guys who got called up while he was down, Gavin Sheets and Jake Berger, hit really well. You know, like well enough that you're not going to replace them. And then they're starting to get healthy. Like Eloy Jimenez is coming back soon. Luis Robert seems like he might be coming back soon. And they don't see him as a catcher i think he got upset that when grandal got hurt they called up zavala to be the backup and he thinks he can catch they think he's strictly a dh so now you've got roster numbers here as well so is it larissa partially maybe uh, but i think it's just frustration that he's not up on the team right
1: you know getting back to the trading deadline you know if you're a seller because you know my audience is like why aren't we making moves right now and i try to explain like if you're a seller you want to hold on to the last minute. You want these teams that are buyers to get more desperate by the minute. For God's sakes, they even talked about Trevor Story playing center field for some people. Just talk about if you're a seller right now, how do you handle it going up to the deadline?
3: So an underrated uh, aspect of this season that's different that I don't think enough people think about is that the draft was just last week, and it was at the same time as the All-Star, uh, All-Star game. And so you had all these front offices who were trying to pull like multiple duty here. You were, we were focusing on the draft because it's so important. And then all of a sudden, oh my God, the trade deadline is like right after. So you take that, you take a couple of teams who aren't quite sure what they're going to do yet. And I think, you know, every year we're like, why don't teams jump the deadline? And why don't you try to get more of the season with your new guy? Like we saw the the Brewers do with Willie Domus like, a, you know, more than a month ago now. He's been fantastic. And it just never happens that way, you know? And everybody wants as many, Uh, sellers as they can if they have an asset and they want to or buyers excuse me and they want to try to get the pressure up and hope someone makes a a foolish panic move that one minute before the deadline this happens every single year and i don't see any reason it'll be different this year
1: you know you make a really good point because we have the david ford show every single week here on A's cast live and i asked him about that i said David, just how weird is it? I mean, you got this war room. You're telling us you got 800-something names up on the board. And then he's telling us that, yeah, I'm dealing with the draft. And then I'm having to walk out of the draft war room to take calls about potential trades. I mean, I got to think, Mike, that this has been a really tough time for front offices. And they don't like how this baseball calendar work because you got so much going on.
3: I also think they don't like change. You know, this isn't maybe if this is the way it had always been, nobody would care. But, you know, you're so used to the baseball schedule. You know, opening day is early April or late March and the All Star Games in July and October is the playoffs, right? And have something change like that. It's probably just so unusual to everybody who works in the front office. So I think that's part of it. I also think that they're looking at things maybe from their very personal perspective of how do I focus on all these things from a from a baseball fan perspective who doesn't really care about the daily life of front office executives, I liked having it you know, around the Austin break. I thought that was super cool, and it added some more uh, visibility to it. But I, I totally understand it. If I was working in a front office, I probably wouldn't love it either.
1: Let's end on this. Make a big, bold prediction on what's going to happen right before the trade deadline.
3: Well, I think you're gonna see a couple of guys that you expect being traded in one big surprise. Like I think a few years ago, about uh, it was like ten minutes after the deadline it came out that Zach Garankie had gotten traded to Houston. Everybody's like, wait a minute, Zach Granke was on the block? I didn't even know that. <laughs> so it's it's always hard to guess who that guy's gonna be, like for obvious reasons. You know, we're not we're not talking about that kind of guy. And I think the wild card here is really in Colorado, not just because they have uh, Trevor Story, but because they have kind of an understaffed front office right now. Like their general manager stepped down two months ago and two assistants have stepped down since. And there's been a lot of reports that teams aren't even really sure who to call right now. But will they trade Story? Sure. Um, but will they trade John Gray? Will they trade Herman Marquez? Will they try to trade Charlie Blackman? Nobody really knows. Um, so that's the situation I'm watching the most is like just how much can the Rockies uh, pull off all at once here?
1: I mean, that's crazy to think. Like if I want Trevor Story, or any of those other players you just named, I don't even know who to call. I mean what what, what do, do you call the do you call the secretary? Uh, do you call the front desk and say, hey, who's making moves for you? can I can I be in contact with them and at least leave them at? I mean, that's crazy to think.
3: yeah, I think you your best bet is to tweet at Rockies and uh, see what they come back with you with. Listen, Bill, Bill Schmidt is widely respected. I don't I don't mean to make light of that. like he's been in the game for a long time and he's very respected. Uh, in the scouting community, you know, but he's never done this before. He's never focused on the major leagues and the major league payroll and trades like this. So I think everybody's got all eyes, uh, you know, and how is he going to approach this? Cause it's just a big unknown.
1: Hey, great stuff. We always appreciate having you enjoy this deadline. Cause I think at some point it's going to heat up. We're going to have a lot of fun and let's talk later in the season.
3: All right. Thanks a lot. Take care.
1: You know, technically. I couldn't trade with the Rockies cuz I can't I can't tweet at them. So I wouldn't be able to make a trade with the Rockies right now.
2: Yeah, then we saw the the reports out there now of what st- some team there's a team that wants Trevor Story to be a center fielder. Um that's interesting. Uh I mean, I could see him being a center fielder. I mean, he's a good shortstop, but I could see him being a center fielder. I still think personally, I think before that contract he has with the the Padres runs out, I think Fernando Tatis Jr. might end up being a center fielder before his career is over. But I can see Trevor Storer being a shortstop – or a center fielder. I think that the team that he's a center fielder for, I, don't be surprised if he ends up with the Mets. I can see him being a, a Mets center fielder because you're going to get Lindor back at some point from this uh, grade two oblique strain that he has. And you can throw him in the outfield with Dom Smith and um, – uh, Michael Conforto, that's a pretty good outfield. But, yeah, there's that one team that wants him to be a center fielder. But I agree with Mike. There is going to be that one big name that gets traded at the deadline that we had no idea was going to get traded.
1: Well, you know, I'm going to tell you something that I heard, but I want to look at this real quick. Home and away for Trevor Story. You know, what, what is the difference between Trevor Story Let's take his 2021 splits. Are you ready? What do you think Trevor Story hits at home? 320. Trevor Story at home hits 291. You get him off the mountain, away from mile high, what do you think he hits?
2: 245. A
1: buck 80. Oh wow. His OPS at home is 822. His OPS on the road is 632. So, I don't know. He's a good player, but uh, he's definitely one of those guys. I'd have to look at his career splits, but he's definitely one of those guys. He's not the same guy uh, on the mountain that the guy is off the mountain. Can we play the man's open, please? (laughs) Wednesday is known as hump day for everyone during the work week. But on A's cast
4: live Wednesday means one thing. It's time for 30 uninterrupted minutes with the two-time World Series champion, two-time All-Star, two-time Rawlings Gold Glove winner, A's analyst on NBC California, and the face of the franchise, Ray Fossey. Hello, Ray. Hello, Tony. How was your off day in what? 36 holes of golf? Uh,
1: I got 18 really bad holes in. I I was I was done after 18. Uh, the course didn't want me there anymore. I didn't want to be there either. It was time to go.
4: <laughs> well, I'm sure you, you had a good time. Uh, probably oh, well, let shot scratch.
1: Let, let me ask you in your career, Ray, did you ever, the more you played, the worse you got? In golf? No, in baseball. Uh,
4: Not really, but I can, I, I, you're talking about golf.
1: Yeah. I, I, there's sometimes yeah. the more I put into it, like, all right, I'm not going to have any beers. I'm going to be serious. I'm going to go to the range chip putt, and then I go out and I'm a disaster.
4: Yeah. Johnny, listen, the, the main thing is you're, you're a great talk show host. Uh, you do a great job on radio. You're not a professional golfer. You look at those guys when, when they're on tour, um, it's on stop. I mean, they're nonstop practicing. So while we may go out occasionally on the range, you more than I, cause my body had broken down. I can't even do that. But, uh, um, you, you know, these, these guys are professionals and, and, you know, the one thing about golf that I've always admired them. And I think I mentioned before that Dave Stockton and his wife, Kathy, are godparents of our uh, oldest daughter, Nikki, Nicole. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I've watched him and, and I've seen him in various courses where, You know, he's played four rounds, and as soon as the round is over, he's going to the driving range of the putting green. Uh, Next morning, before he tees off, he's at the driving range of the putting tee. So, you know, while you and I may go out there and play, you know, around the golf and and hit a few balls and loosen up, these guys are pros. And the thing I admire most about them, they're on their own. You know, they may have sponsors, but bottom line, even with sponsors, if you don't have success – you're going to be gone. They're not going to keep you just to keep you because they like you. But, uh, I mean, so basically what you do, what you make is how you do uh, basically on the golf course. So that's why I admire them, tennis players. You know, see, in baseball, it's a bunch of individuals playing a team sport. And, you know, it's the same kind of with with all the other major sports. Uh, But golf and tennis, those are major sports. They are individual sports, individual players. And basically when the, when the Sunday's over or hopefully you make the cut in golf and the Sunday's over you take a look at the, uh, well, they get to check to you, but, um, <clears throat> you, you look at the newspaper and you start going from top to bottom and you see what guys, what guys did. And do they make enough to make expenses? Um, so, you know, it's, it's a grind. So don't be hard on yourself because, uh, if you got out and played, then you wouldn't be as good as you are on radio. How's that?
1: I, I know I'll take that Ray. And at, at this time of the year with all the rattlesnakes out there. Uh, <laughs> and, and we, we got these guys out looking for balls. I say, Hey, they make new ones every day. Get out of there. Just drop and let's go. Um, all right.
4: Did, 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 you know, Tally, let me, let me say quickly. Well, I played in Venezuela uh, and, and I took my golf clubs and, um, this was, uh, before Carol and I got married, uh, I didn't bother taking them then because I wasn't going to go out and play, you know, even on an off day. But uh, I remember playing golf uh, because in Venezuela, maybe play 60 games in in three to four months, so you had a lot of off time, and you go play golf. Well, you'd have a caddy, you'd be walking, you'd have a caddy, and you would walk straight down the middle. And if you hit a ball right or left, you walk straight down the middle, and the caddy would go get the ball and throw it back to you. And that was it. There was there was no such thing as try to find my golf ball and hit it from from the rough or the real bad rough where those rattlesnakes are. And, and worse than that in Venezuela. But uh, no, that's um, it, it's not worth it. Um, it's just not worth it. And, and that's that's all I can say because um, you know if, if you're if you're a duffer you don't need what is it the Pro V one I, I don't even know which is the top. Um,
1: yeah, you're, you're, uh, you're right. So Pro V. By the way, okay. Ray. Ray uh, Cody, get online, book a trip to Venezuela. I want to play this style of golf. And <laughs> Ray, we're going back. We're going to hang out at the beaches and drink pina coladas all day.
4: And you may not leave the country. They may not let you out. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's It's it, of it, it, in 1970, um, uh, Sam and Dow and I were named Cole Men of the Year. Uh, yeah, in 1970. So they were having an awards banquet, and Caroline went down because I had broken my index finger for the third consecutive year of all things. And um, so, um, so when we were down there, I was I was playing baseball. So I get this call actually and said, "Hey, you've been uh, selected as a co uh, award winner of the Cold Man of the Year or the Man of the Year." And I said, "Wonderful." And they said, "We'll we'll send you a ticket and and do all of that stuff." So I went to the ownership, and they said, "Nope." can't go uh, what do you mean they said well you know we're we're not going to let you go and you know if, if you want to go your wife stays here they, they wanted to make sure that I didn't leave the country and stay I said listen I, I enjoyed here um Carol and I having a great time in Venezuela and uh, that's when it was was decent and uh, we went back nine years later which was totally different in I think even worse now, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, if you, if you want to book the trip, uh, make sure you have a guaranteed round trip coming back, because uh, I, I know Marco Scudero, I would say to him, uh, obviously much younger than me, and I said, Marco, how do you, uh, because he's Venezuelan, and I said, H- how do you deal with it? He says, well, I live in Florida, and uh, he said, if I go to Venezuela, I go to Caracas, where I guess that's where he grew up, and he said, I take nothing. Nothing. I take no money. And whatever they give me as a salary, I spend. But I don't take anything. I don't put it in the bank because when I leave, I don't know if I'm going to get it or not. So he just, you know, that's the way it is. So uh, it, it's tough times in Venezuela. I'm not disparaging uh, Venez- Venezuela and winter baseball. For me, it was great because I had three great years down there. Um, the times have changed for sure.
1: Ray, I'm I'm starting to get really alarmed by Matt Chapman. And uh-huh. just to give you some numbers, he's one for do, his last do, 20- do,
4: do you have to?
1: yes, he's one for his last 25, zero extra base hits, 14 strikeouts in the last seven games. Overall this year, he's hitting 219 with a 684 OPS. Everybody keeps talking about signing this guy up long term, but he's not a free agent. Until after the 2024 season, which he'll be 31 wow. at that time. I, wow. I this, this got to give him big money right now. First of all, you don't have to do it. And if you're going to arbitration with him, he doesn't have the numbers to back up a big number. No. I, no. I, I just, I, what's going on with Matt Chapman?
4: Well, I don't know, Tony, but the thing that, that, you know, we see all the numbers of the velocity of the fastball, and and you know we all talk about it. You talk about it, all the broadcasters, the, the media people. I'm sure everybody, when they see a 90, 91 mile an hour fastball down the middle, forcing, swinging a miss, I'm going something's wrong, something's wrong. Uh, you know, because you know, sometimes you have to get to the point where you say, okay, I'm going to look fastball, I'm going to start my swing, and I'm going to hit the fastball if I get it. Right now he's getting fastballs that he's swinging right through. And I think that's the most alarming thing is that uh, what is happening there. And then, you know, typical, you know, you take a pitch and it's a strike. And then all of a sudden you end up swinging a pitch out of the strike zone, like a breaking ball or whatever. And, you know, like you've always said, strike one is the best pitch one because once you get ahead, then a pitcher can do anything he wants to. But, uh, you know, I, I just I, – I, it is, it is uh, alarming. Um, and plus – he's at a position which you expect power first and third right and left are the two are the four positions basically because I go back old school where you're you want to be strong defensively up the middle but uh but yeah it it is alarming I mean his defense is off the chart Uh, hopefully they won't they won't base the uh the winning uh, and I think they've changed it all anyway statistically and analytically to the point where, um, you know, the, what you do offensively has no bearing on you defensively. And um, someone said the other day that the number of feet he, he covered when he caught the final out of the game on, uh, what, Monday night. And, you know, just a phenomenal play. And, and he has speed. He has a strong arm. Um, like we've talked about, I think he's the, the best I've seen. Uh, with his range, being able to play deep, when normally people would play in, even with a bag, There are a lot of positives with him defensively, but you have to start looking at the offensive numbers. And here we are approaching August 1st. And, you know, he's going to be in the lineup and he's got to figure out something. And hopefully, I mean, and I know Eric Martins and Darren Bush. uh, Darren's been around a long time. Eric, the assistant, they've worked and worked and worked and he's done early work and all kinds of things. But, you know, I I just think uh, something needs to change. Something needs to happen. Uh, otherwise, it, it's going to be a tough last couple of months of the season and in October, you know, even more so then.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's got 121 strikeouts entering today's action. Wow. Second most in baseball, o- only to Javi Baez, who has 126. That's a How lot. Many How many
4: home runs does he have? Well, How many home runs does he have? Baez? Yeah.
1: Let me see here. Baez has 21.
4: Yeah. Well, see, you know, people will look at strikeouts and they'll say, okay, how many home runs? How many runs has he driven in? And, you know, sometimes they can overlook because you you know as well as I do, nobody has a two-strike approach. Nobody cares about batting average. And so when you strike out that many times, that means when you get two strikes, there's no approach. It's, it's, you know, swinging like you are on the first pitch that you're seeing from the pitcher. So, you know, you, 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 take that in regard, but, um, unfortunately Matt does not have the number of home runs that typically goes along with, uh, the number of strikeouts. Now, on the other hand, look at what Matt Olson has done. Um, I mean, if, if you, are comparing the two, you know, tw- 25 home runs, uh, really <laughs> a platinum gold glove, uh, a platinum glove, um, uh, at first base i mean just does everything so smoothly um you know and, and he, he picks up on things he learns they, they shift on him uh he says okay and they'll beat the shift and so um you, you know i i feel badly for matt chapman um and i know he's working hard trying to get everything resolved so he can he can do something the final couple of months of the season and, and hopefully starting tonight that would be part of it <clears throat>
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, and I know people are going to look at the, the hip, but at some point, you yeah,
4: know. No, 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 no. Yeah,
1: no you got, you, got, you no. got to start making some contact. Also, something that really needs to happen, Ray, is they got to get better uh-huh. in division. Why do you think they've struggled in division?
4: You know what? I, I don't know, Tony. I, I, I think it's just um... – they're not playing any different type of baseball. I mean, it's not like it's different for them to, uh, um, to, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I just think, um, it, it's just, uh, I can't tell you. I, I really can't. I, I don't know what the heck's happening. I'd like to be able to tell you that, uh, I, I do know, but I, I just have no idea what is happening within the division and, uh, Uh, you know, as you start looking, hey, got some help here, got some help there. You know, help lasts only so long because, you know, once you get fortunate to get under postseason, you know, then help doesn't work. You know, you've got to do it on your own. And so uh, hopefully that's something the A's can do um, and, and start doing it themselves to where they don't have to look at the school board and see what other teams are doing. And it starts with in your own division, and, and especially if you're looking at the Astros, the two teams that are expected to be fighting down the wire, three in Oakland, three in Houston, and I don't know whoever's in between, but that just means there's a lot of baseball games between the Astros and the Athletics the last uh, last 10 days of the season.
1: I'll tell you what, the the Tampa Bay Rays got better today as they picked up Nelson Cruz. I don't care if he's 40. Oh,
4: no. Oh, no, Really? Yeah.
1: He's got a 294 average, he's hit 19 bombs. He's got a 907 OPS. I don't care if he's forty. Wow. Ray, this guy still rakes.
4: Of course he does, and that's what I Jeez. You know the amazing thing, the the uh, the Rays, you, they start trading people who go, "What you what are you doing?" And then they do this. You know, and I'm and I'm sure yeah. I don't know what he's making, but um, <laughs> the Rays probably aren't paying a lot of that. But wow! Well, it's it's that time, Tommy. You know that that whenever um, things started happening in baseball between now and um, uh, what is it, the thirtieth this year, because of the uh, thirty-first being on a Saturday.
1: What was, what, what was it like in your career when you were on some of those really bad teams with the Indians, and you were getting close to the All Star? I mean, you're getting close to the trading deadline. What was that like looking around? Were you guys looking around each other going, "Uh, I don't know who's going, but somebody's going?
4: (laughs) No, I'll be honest with you, Tony. My first uh, tour in Cleveland, it was every 1st and 15th. It wasn't just at the trading deadline. It was a matter of, okay, how much money do you make? Uh, (laughs) We made nothing. I mean, come on. Uh, I mean, they made nothing, believe me. Guys make more than in one game than than we were making in in a full year. so to do it it, it was more about trying to um, trying to maintain the team. We weren't going to win in Cleveland. I don't even know if anybody even looked at our organization or the a or the Indians uh, team to see, you know, can that person help us? Can that person help us? You know, so um, that's why I was pleased and very happy to be traded to the A's because uh, you know that occurred in spring training. No trading deadline there, and uh, and I was traded back to Cleveland at the end of the 75 season. So I, I, I really, to be honest, I can't remember looking around, even, uh, you know, with the A's, because with the A's, it, it, Charlie Charlie was a buyer. You know, he, he would look around to see what the club needed, and it, it was more on Charlie than anybody. And, uh, you know, he made the decisions. He was, he was paying the money, and uh, so, you know, if, if he was going to make a deal, it was going to be him.
1: I'm looking at your baseball reference page. I want to go back to 1970. You're 23 years old with the Cleveland Indians. Do you remember what you were making? Yeah. They got you, you down do They got you down for 15 grand.
4: Uh no, actually I started the season making 7. And um, But I, I, got a, uh, I got a raise or a bonus, I guess, by, by being selected to play in the All-Star game. So what, 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 what they put down for that, um, for that year was what I received after I got back to Cleveland with a broken, separated shoulder. So I think I would have preferred to go back healthy instead of uh, getting the extra money because the next year, see, Alvandark was a manager and general manager. And so he negotiated the contracts. And um, uh, I, I think I wanted to I wanted twenty five thousand after that seventy season, I wanted twenty five for the seventy one season. And he said, Why are you why are you saying you want that much money? <laughs> so yeah. Times were different, Tony. Times were different. So um but I, I want to say
0: this, was, you you
1: you you're you're one guy that got a raise from Charlie Finley. Because they got you down for forty thousand five hundred in nineteen seventy three, and in nineteen seventy four, you got bumped up to fifty grand.
4: Wow!
1: Look <laughs> at you, negotiator. What is
4: it, what is it show for seventy five, Tony?
1: Says fifty grand.
4: Thank you very much. Because I went to arbitration that year, and um, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's when the the arbitrator said, "Mr. Finley, you're too low. Mr. Fosse, you're too high. You have to agree somewhere in the middle." Cause I was asking for 60 and he, he was offering uh, 50. And that's when I up the fight in Detroit with Reggie and Billy and then came back and see, he didn't understand the importance of a, of a catch. I mean, he probably did, but he didn't want to admit it, especially when it came to money. Uh, but, um, but yeah. And, and, you know, pretty much the arbitrator said, you know, settle in between and Chuck said, Nope, not going to do that. And, uh, so the arbitrator had no recourse except to go with Charlie, and I made 50 again in 75, and this was after uh, winning a world championship. So essentially – and Charlie Charlie actually would tell us uh, <clears throat> when you start asking for a raise, he'd say, yeah, hey, you're going to win the World Series. That's going to be your raise. No. Can you guarantee it? No. <laughs> huh? <laughs> he, he would say. He would say that, Tommy. He would say that. that.
1: The fact that you could win a World Series and then he'd offer you not a pay raise but a decrease in pay—that's unbelievable. No, you're right.
4: I mean, exactly, and, and that's you know, and, and times are different. And, and don't get me wrong. And I, I look at someone uh, like the, like the first half, for example, and, and you know the things like that, and and start seeing what players get monetarily and long term contracts and. Um well even even the the signing bonuses alone are astronomical compared to what we got. but uh, but y- you know, it, it was just simply a matter of they had control over us. We had no control whatsoever. So if they said, okay, we're going to pay you X and you wanted y, and they'd say, okay, we'll see you somewhere along the line and once you decide you want to play can come back to us because because we could there was no movement. we couldn't do anything could not do a thing until what 76 when free agency came around. So times are different. Times are different. I'm happy for the players, but you know, from as a former player and now working in the front office, essentially don't get too greedy. You know, it's a great game. Everybody should be happy with, with what is happening with, uh, uh, uh the, the money for both sides, the ownership, the, the players. And, you know, yeah, you know, I don't buy into where players say, well, look at the value of the club. Yeah, the value is only if you sell it. And, you know, nobody knows how much money is spent maintaining the club, the salary, the stadiums, you know, the travel and all those things that go into running a major league baseball team and an organization. And now that baseball is back in full swing with the minor leagues, all of that, all that money is paid by major league or the, uh, the major league club throughout the minor league system. So. Um the players, while well, yes, everybody wants to go to the Coliseum or wherever to watch their player play. The, the bottom line is that um, there's a lot that goes on behind and more than just the first and the fifteenth for that player.
1: Yeah, I kinda wonder like negotiations, what's that gonna be like with with Shoe Otani? I mean, do you walk in and go, Okay, <laughs> I wanna negotiate as a hitter, and once we get that done, I didn't want to negotiate yeah. as a pitcher.
4: That is going to be interesting. It's going to be unprecedented. Um, but you, you know the one thing, and it's speaking of him, I'm glad you brought him up. I, I read where one player was talking about how amazing he is. And, yes, he's a pitcher that throws 100. His home runs, is, everything is just phenomenal. But for someone to say in today's era – that he's better than Babe Ruth because the game is harder today. We don't know that because we weren't around then. We, you know, so, it, you know, let's just say times have changed. This is a phenomenal player uh, for him to be able to do as much as he does. And then it's up to the Angels to decide maybe in the negotiations, they said, you know, we're going to give you a year, two years. What do you want to do? Do you want to pitch? you want to hit? and i'd say he'll he'll take the route that uh, babe ruth did and say okay i enjoy pitching but i want to play everyday
1: so are are you telling me that in 1915 they didn't have luxury jets and the four seasons and <laughs> and, and all the uh, equipment and technology and uh, they 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 weren't wearing wool uniforms through the humidity are are you saying they didn't do that back in 1915 <laughs>
4: Oh, Tony, Tony. That, 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 that's why I say nobody knows, because, you know, there was no, there are no teams uh, west of the Mississippi, everything, travel was done by train, uh, what are they talked about, the spittoons in the lobby, you know, guys, and, and guys sitting around in coats and ties in the lobby waiting to go to the park, and so, I mean, it, it was, it was a different time, um, and, that, and that's why I, I don't believe, yeah, I mean, a, a current player can look at Shohei Ohtani and say a phenomenal player. Yes, he's great. But I, I just, you know, how many players are even living? Um, I, I interviewed Jimmy Reese, um, and he was his roommate. And and, and uh, Frankie Corsetti was uh, third base coach when he played for the Yankees. I mean, but nobody's around who, you know, could compare – otani to uh, to babe ruth uh, if if they are they i don't know how much they're going to remember but uh they were both i mean babe ruth was special the game was great because of what he did and the game is going to be great because of Shohei otani but i still i still don't think you can say that uh otani is the best because the game is harder today than it was then. Yeah, it's harder because you're facing different pitchers, but you do not, like you said, have all that technology and the luxuries that go along with playing Major League Baseball.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, Babe Ruth would be the greatest guy to ever be roommates with. He's never there.
4: <laughs> and that's what Jimmy Reese said, God <laughs> bless him. <laughs> he, said, I, I, he said, I roomed with his luggage. You know, said, <laughs> uh, it, it, it was it was amazing. And uh, I was actually watching um, – Watching a movie, uh, Tom Cruise, and uh, it was Jack Reacher or something like. I can't remember what the name of the yeah, movie.
1: Jack Reacher, yeah. What? Is it? Yeah, where he goes around killing everybody. Yeah, but I mean, but but he said
4: uh, what, during the movie, someone said, "What's your name?" He said, "Jimmy Reese." <laughs> I went, and then somebody said, "Why did you say that?" He said, "Because nobody knows who he is." So I just said, "Jimmy Reese." second baseman for the new york Yankees, you know but he was he was he was a strength and conditioning coach with the uh then uh anaheim angels at 91 towning when i interviewed him 91 so and that was a long time ago but uh no it's a great game and it's it's only going to get better because of the technology because of all the things that go along with uh with a great game of baseball, and um, you know, I, I think just everybody should just step back and say, you know, we're fortunate to play this game, fortunate to be a part of a, of the greatest. To me, the greatest game. That, you know, going even back to Matt Chapman, you know, that's hard game. It's a hard game to be able to hit a round baseball with a round bat and have less than a second to determine whether you're going to swing or not. That's not easy. It's not easy. So those who can do it, and those who put up great numbers. Um, I don't know the velocity of the guys that played in the 20s and 30s and, you know, during that period of time. But um, all, all I know is that uh, these guys today, it's not easy to hit a baseball.
1: Where, where can, I know you'll be with me on A's Total Access, but where can we find right. you tonight? Are we going to find you on TV or radio?
4: I've got radio. I've got radio, these four, and then back on TV next week.
1: Oh, that would be a yeah. good series right there down in San Diego.
4: Yeah, San Diego, and then what? Um, go to Anaheim from there.
1: Yeah, it's a, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it, it's a road yeah. trip to make some hay right here, Ray, and then hopefully reinforcements at the trading deadline. Well,
4: that's it, and and uh, I know you're going to be heavily uh, talking to Mister Forrest about uh, you know what's going to be happening. So um, it, it'll be a lot of fun. But uh, I, I was hoping the A's might be in the market for Nelson Cruz. They uh, give the Rays credit. Give them a lot of credit because they they put somebody in the middle of their lineup can definitely help them.
1: Trust me, on Friday, David will tell me everything. <laughs>
4: You're the best, buddy. You're the
1: best. <laughs> Have a good call tonight, Ray. I'll talk to you in a little bit.
4: All right, Tommy. Thanks, buddy.
1: The great Raymond Fossey right here on A's Cast Live. Coming up next, we head to New York, right here, on A's Total Access.
0: Streaming from the town, AceCast Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. So, if you're just joining us,
1: I started the show with just being really honest about how I've been kicked off Twitter because people have questioned why have I not been tweeting, especially during this really hard time to be an A's fan because of everything that's going on with the ballpark or the potential ballpark. So some people have thought that I've just been running like a coward, right? Cody. They've accused me of how could you at this time not be responding and, and talking about what's going on. Correct.
2: Yeah, that is correct.
1: Well, I've been kicked off and I don't know why. And I got the official word from Twitter saying, Sucks to be you, but you can't log on ever again, start a new account. Basically what they told me. Because I went multiple times to try and reset my password because they said it was my a problem with my password. I went through the whole process that they want you to do, and it kept sending them emails. I had a case file, the whole deal, and finally they responded to the case file saying that uh, I'll no longer be able to access that account. My very good friend, Jason Babcock, has just texted me. He has now been kicked off Twitter. Once again, all I ever tweet about, nothing political. I've never cursed on Twitter ever. My account is still there, at Townsend Radio. All I tweet about is the A's, baseball, and this show. That's all I tweet about. And I've been kicked off Twitter. My buddy, Jason, dear friend of mine, he now has been kicked off Twitter and he went to look at his account it now says he has zero followers and zero people he's following something's going on and this is really dangerous I w- I had a blue check mark I was verified gone it says I follow zero people Cody if you get- go look at that Townsend radio I still have followers? I used to have over twenty thousand. Now I'm under twenty thousand.
2: Yeah, it's nineteen point seven. So around you're under twenty.
1: So they're going to keep the account up, but I can't access it because they're saying they can't verify that's me.
2: That's odd. It's not It's just the whole situation's just been perplexing, to to use a different word.
1: Something's going. I'm telling you, they are going. They they have they have some type of what would you call it? An analog or it's an alg- you- it's
2: an, it's, it seems like it's an algorithm. algorithm, yeah.
1: They have some type of algorithm that they're going through everybody's accounts. And if somehow you pop up on this algorithm, they ban you. Because they can't say that I was doing political stuff. I'm not a political guy. If they can take a media person who's verified and basically kill their account, what can they do? It shows you how powerful these, they're not platforms anymore. When they started, they were given the right that we could never go after them because they're platforms. They're saying, hey, it's a platform. People can do whatever they want on the platform. Well, obviously now, I mean, the president of the United States said Facebook's killing people. I didn't say it. The president of the United States because of the misinformation or whatever on Facebook about vaccines. That was Joe Biden said that. And I'm thinking that the president's saying that. And my buddy just got kicked off. I've been kicked off. I mean, they can easily tape, take my blue check mark, saying that they can't verify me and the account. But I had a blue check mark until you took it away. I was verified. How can you say it's not my account? These are crazy times, man. And we, these platforms are getting really. Really scary. There's some really bad people on these platforms. Really bad people. There's really bad known people on these platforms. But you're going to ban me? Because I tweet that Ace Cast Live is going to have Mike Petriello and, and and Ken Korak and Ray Fosse on? I'm dangerous? This is scandalous. And you, have, you can't call them. You can't talk to anybody. It's just, I've been told you're done. And now I'm finding out my buddy's done. Who knows? Cody, you might be next. I don't know what the algorithm is, but if tweeting about baseball is harmful, I guess I'll own that. But isn't that scary? Two guys who are friends have just been banned back to back.
2: Uh, Maybe I should be worried. Jason's DM'd me a few times before. I don't know. Maybe I should, maybe I should. You better unfollow out Tanzan Radio, who knows they're coming for you. Yeah, I already I already have. I already have unfollowed you. Once I saw you unfollowed me, I was like I'm not following you anymore.
1: When did I unfollow you?
2: Well, you're not you're not following anyone, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm keeping this account. No, I'm follow I'm just following people that give information. You you you, you tweet about the the pirates. I, I don't need that for the show. Well, I
0: mean, Everybody
1: everybody that I'm following right now on my new account are just people for baseball information. I'm not following football people. I'm not following NBA. I'm not following news. I'm just following baseball people. Smart. I'm, I'm done with Twitter. I'm so over Twitter. I think the government, if the government, this is not political, this is for everybody. I don't care what your political affiliation is. This is scary stuff. How they can counsel people when they want, whenever they want, And you got, you know, let's face it, this part of my business was Twitter and promoting stuff that we do. And they just took that away like it was nothing. They can do anything they want. Now, they need to change the rules and take this platform thing away, and they need to be treated as media. They need to be treated like television, radio, print, which means you do something wrong, people can go after you. They can sue you. They need to get this whole platform. They're not platforms anymore. They're making news, whether right or wrong. It's just it's wrong. All right. Earlier today, Sarah Lang's joined us right here on A's Cast Live. She is back. No one better than Sarah Lang's right here on A's Cast Live. And now you've just turned into this super huge star. You're on the all-female broadcast between the Orioles and the Rays. I mean, just to have you on the program, it's like Elvis has just entered the building.
5: Oh my goodness. That is way too kind, but it is great to see your face. Great to see Cody's face. Great to talk to you. I, I refuse and refute all, all such claims, but I did do the game. That part is true.
1: How much fun did you have?
5: Oh my gosh. So much fun. I mean, I, I love calling games. This was the third that I got the chance to do. And obviously, you know, the, this ended up being such a historic moment. And it was really cool to be part of that. But more than anything, and you know this more than anyone, it's just so much fun to call a game. It's just so much fun to be there and get a chance to do something like that. And uh, Not there, in the studio, but to be in that setting and get a chance to do that. And uh, I loved it.
1: What was the reaction?
5: the reaction was awesome. I mean, I went on the today show, like, I'm not bragging. I'm not a person to brag about that. But if you asked me a week ago, if that was ever going to happen in my life would have been a solid no. So the fact that we got a chance to do that, um, like that, that makes even less sense to me than the baseball. Like this, this doesn't feel like real life. Um, but the reaction was amazing. I mean, again, there's that and you know, the outpouring on social media and everything. I mean, you know, from people we know obviously received a lot of texts and DMs and emails and whatever, overwhelming in that sense. Um, but you know, just random people, you know, chiming in saying that they enjoyed it. And, you know, I, I'm sure they enjoyed it because of us specifically or whatever else, but it's because Melanie's really good at her job, Alana's really good at her job. Heidi's really good at her job. Lauren's really good at her job. And I was there too. So like, it was just, uh, it was just a lot of fun. And I really appreciate the, the positive energy and everything that was surrounding it.
1: You know, being on MLB network is, is obviously a big deal, but now you're talking about morning national television. (laughs) Uh, that's like a whole different game.
5: Again, this is the part that just makes no sense to me. I mean, if you told me a couple of years ago, hey, you might get a chance to call a game one day, one game, I would have said, I hope so. I I really want to work towards that. But who knows? But if you told me about these new shows and everything, I would have said, I think you're looking at the wrong future, honestly. Um, So it was really cool. And I think it's just a really cool moment for baseball. The fact that these new shows did take interest in that, you know, they're not doing these kinds of story, or a baseball story or a sports story necessarily in their rundown by definition every day. And the fact that the today show took interest, CNN, um, someone was on CBS, someone was on MSN. I mean, you know, they were talking to it was me or one of uh, the other five women who were involved in this. It felt like certainly a lot over those last like two to three days leading up to it. I, I think that's really cool. And I think that's really cool for people who aren't huge baseball fans to see and to be aware of, just everything that was happening with this. So, uh, yeah, I I can't believe that all of these things happened, but really, really grateful to be in this spot.
1: Well, you're breaking barriers. And (laughs) for me, that means a lot. Being a father of twin daughters that are 15, about to be 16, when I see something like this, it is very special because you have a lot of young women and a lot of young girls out there that will look at this and say, hey, I can do this. What does that mean to you when someone like me says that to you?
5: I get chills. I'm literally getting chills as you were saying that. I mean, it's so hard for me to put myself in that sentence to understand that I am really part of this moment that is helping people have those, those moments of understanding. But it's really important. I mean, as much as this was 100% possible for any person, whether it's women or any other minority five days ago, three days ago, long before, long before this broadcast happened, but there is a lot to representation and physically seeing it happen for the first time. And, you know, the most important thing about it being the first is that it isn't the last and these things will continue to happen. And, you know, something I actually really loved was there were so many people in mentions of certain tweets pointing out other qualified women who they wished were part of it. And, you know, there are a lot of ways to take that. But my biggest takeaway from that is this is great. There are just so many options already out there. And I, I think that's really important for people to know. And Alana Rizzo said this, I think while we were on our broadcaster on our post game show, but we were just the five people who were lucky enough to be chosen to do this. But there are so many women out there and so many people, you know, of other minorities as well who could have been part of a moment like this and absolutely will be part of these moments going forward.
1: Well, and you just think about our game and the all-star game, what you guys just did, you know, where we have the talk of the town as a Japanese player, you know, the MVP is not born in this country. You know, you have so many great stars from all over the world. We're a global game, whether you're from Canada, you're Australia, Japanese. I mean, we've got Dominican. We have people from all over the world And now with more women getting into the game, I think it truly shows, just talk about that, how special our game is and brings so many walks of life together.
5: Definitely. And I think that that's another reason that this is so important. I mean, as much as it's really good for young people who are considering getting into these fields to see people in those roles who are similar to them doing the job. I also just think it's important for any fan, as you're saying, I mean, we know baseball fans are all walks of life, baseball fans. Everyone is baseball fans, you know, all different types of people from all different parts of the world and in different parts of their lives. And I think it's really important for baseball to show showing that it is for everybody by being reflected in that way, being reflected in who you're hearing in the broadcast booth, even if you have no dream of going growing up to call a game or be part of this in any way. I just think it makes it feel like it is more your game. And I think that's really, really important. And you're right, it was so much on display at the All-Star Game. I mean, what was it with Liam Hendricks with the save and Vladdy Jr., the All-Star Game MVP and Shohei Otani getting the win? I mean, none of those are American-born. And that was really, really important, I think, for people just to see how global the game has become, as you're saying. And it's all connected. I mean, there's different parts of, you know, past existing you know sentiments that have to change but or that are in the process of changing but that that's another part of it and all of this just gets to the fact that baseball is there and it's there for everybody and uh, I'm so glad that we got to be part of putting that on display for people
1: all right the number one question we have for you who are the A's trading for
5: oh my gosh you know it, it's so interesting I'm really interested to see how this uh, trade deadline, plays out because I, I don't know it feels like there are so many teams that are just so disparate you have teams that are so offensive heavy teams that are so pitching heavy and then you have these teams where we just can't quite tell exactly how they're going to sell I mean not not for the A's but I'm so interested about Chris Bryant and about so many of those Cubs I mean Craig Kimbrell would be great on what, every contender? I mean, (laughs) you can make an argument for literally every contender. I don't care how good their closer is. I mean, everyone could use Craig Kimbrell. And there haven't been that many years. I mean, I know Roaldus Chapman's trades the Cubs in 2016. It was kind of a unique spot because we all knew he was going to resign with the Yankees afterwards. But, you know, a Craig Kimbrell at the top of his game again, which we weren't expecting for this year whatsoever – being on the market there, I mean, I, I'm hesitant to rule any team out because I really think that any team could use him there. And they are funny. You know, I was just I, I do a Twitch show on Thursdays and we were just talking with you know, people who are logged in in the chat room about teams that they were hoping to see make a second half push and there was a lot of A's energy in there so I was thinking about you guys and the fact that yeah. I was coming to talk to you like you know two hours after we were also talking about uniforms and we a lot of love to the Kelly Greens. so uh all of that is to say that I think every team needs Craig Kimble. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough, but if you're like the Cubs or the twins, it is what it is. And you got these players that people want. I got to think the GMs are taking a lot of phone calls right now. I mean, the people in the Twin Cities or Chicago are not going to be thrilled by it because they don't want to look at uh, being sellers that, you know, because of, you know, who they are and their payrolls are supposed to win. But, I mean, at some point you got to realize, what what are we going to do with all these guys?
5: Definitely. You know, the twins are an interesting one. I mean, they're, you know, I would love to see Jose Barrios make an impact on a postseason run, but I just think the price there would be too high with how much control he has left. But they have some really interesting players. And then, you know, I'm just thinking in your division, I mean, Joey Gallo, I mean, that could be really something and i think the rangers have a lot you know we'll probably see kyle gibson get moved that certainly has seemed to be the momentum i mean i feel like people are talking about in april let alone now so it it is interesting to look at these teams and pick out you know okay well who's the best player here where can he fit best and uh you know there's a lot of armchair gms over these next you know what is it eight days or so and we'll see what actually happens but We've certainly seen the A's make some interesting moves of in the deadline in the past and I I'm sure we'll see something. It certainly feels that way.
1: Well, one guy that's interesting to me he's a, he's a friend of mine. I've known him for years, is Josh Donaldson. And at 35 years old, he's making 21.7 this year. He's making 21, basically almost 21.8 next year the year after. And then he was 38 years old. He's got a $16 million team option with an $8 million buyout. Do you think there's somebody out there that would say, you know what? He can still hit. He's had trouble staying healthy. He can still hit and we'll take on the money. I'm sure Minnesota would kick in a little bit. Could you see JD moving?
5: you know, there was a lot of talk about that a couple of weeks ago, I feel like. And I think that the staying healthy is probably more of a concern for some of these teams than the money part. I mean, I remember the Mets were connected to him at one point a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, because they could definitely use a third base upgrade. And Josh Allinson, as you're saying, I mean, offensively and defensively provides an an upgrade for a bunch of these potential uh, contending teams. But I I do wonder about the staying healthy. And I wonder if that could end up being what keeps him in Minnesota um, since he has missed some times specifically recently. But I I think, I mean, you know, you look at it and my feeling with all of this is, you know, I know fans get attached to players and you never want to see your guy get traded, but I always want to see these great players competing in October. And I just love sitting here, you know, eight days out from the deadline right now and thinking about the idea of seeing him hit a postseason home run and thinking about the idea of seeing these guys impact playoff races down the stretch. And, you know, I, again, I, it feels like the biggest third base need is the Mets. I know J.D. Davis is back right now, but defensively there's still a lot of need for an upgrade there. Uh, but I think, I think Donaldson is definitely a name we're going to hear going around decent amount over these next uh, next few days and Eduardo Escobar being the other, you know, third base, other than Chris Bryant, uh, you know, name that's out there.
1: So I want you to explain to our audience what it's like to live in New York city and baseball in New York city to where we heard just how ridiculous a rod was on Sunday night. Oh yeah. They should just go get Ramon Laureano and Yelich and blah, blah, blah. But, but that's the Yankee mentality that they can go and just take, I mean, why don't we just get Trout and Otani and get, you know, just talk about what it's like in New York City and how Yankee fans really think.
5: You know, I, fandom is a fascinating concept. I majored in psychology in college. And if I, if I wasn't doing all of this, I think I would be doing extensive research on the brains of sports fans, because I, I think it is fascinating. You were correct to say that, Yankees fans and Yankee fandom does seem to exist in its own sort of arena or whatever you want to say. And, you know, even just at work, I work with a lot of people who are Yankees fans. And, you know, the <laughs> the it's amazing when you think about certain teams. You could put your team, you know, in the opposite boat of teams that have had sustained success like the Yankees. And there's still just a lack of satisfaction because I know they haven't won a World Series in 2009 which is you know the 2010s was the first decade that they did not win a world series since the 1920s or i'm sorry 1910s um but it, it is definitely different and i'm not trying to speak down on them or anything else but you know fandom is a very powerful thing and it does feel that yankee fandom is specifically so but i i also put that you know these Yankee fans feel this way because Brian Cashman over the course of his time with the Yankees, when he needs to make a move at the deadline, the right move he usually goes out and makes that move and so it's almost that they've been conditioned to just expect that and you certainly can't blame them for that I mean they root for a great team that has had so much sustained success that I don't blame them for expecting those players now I don't think Ramon Laureano is necessarily going to be available of course as you're alluding to and Christian Yelich is on a division leading team so that part but I do think the dreaming big you know Joey Gallo has been connected to the Yankees and in certain ways it almost feels like that's just because we expect the Yankees to do the biggest thing within their means that makes the most sense and Joey Gallo being on the Yankees would be really fun and you put all that together and I'm not sure that we would be necessarily putting that player with that team otherwise if it were a different team but somehow you just sit there and you feel like the Yankees could get that done and get Joey Gallo.
1: Well, thank you so much for coming on the program. We truly appreciate it, and we're so happy for you. I mean, it's groundbreaking. Uh, I I know your parents are probably very proud. We're very proud to call you a friend and a friend of the program. What you guys did was amazing. Continued success, and let's talk soon, even though we're not the Today Show.
5: (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. And, no, there is no big timing here if there is anyone who is – never ever going to do something like that that is me and you know that and so many people poke fun at me with that because they know that I will bristle at it so absolutely not but so great to talk to you you no one can see me on hangouts when you're listening to this but you today's show I'm putting these hands right next to each other and I want everybody to know that so thank you so much
1: yeah she's so sweet I'm getting a horrible echo Are you hearing that echo? Oh, that's no, now gone. Yeah, I'm proud of her. I mean, that, that that's a big deal. You know, an all-female broadcast, you're breaking barriers. And if we have young girls out there listening here to A's Cast Live, she, she's a role model. And what she's done in this business and carved out a niche and uh, does an unbelievable job. I'm not going to promote her on Twitter because I'm not promoting Twitter anymore. I'm angry.
2: What are you doing? Oh, I'm trying to find this quote from uh, Bob Melvin talking about uh, my favorite A's reliever. Let me just pull it. I had it, then I, I let it go away. Let me pull it up here. Bob Melvin, during his media session, do you want to hear? <clears throat> let me see. Uh, well, I can't say because it has his name in it. But here's what Bob Melvin had to say about my favorite A's reliever. The more we see of AJ, the more we're liking what we see. My guess is if he continues on this pace, He's going to be here at some point in time. When that is, I'm just not sure. Remember, he has a 6.89 ERA with 40 strikeouts and 31 in the third innings pitched in AAA Las Vegas. That's Bob oh, Melvin on AJ I, Puck.
1: I was about to say, what are you talking about, AJ? Who the hell's AJ?
2: Yeah, AJ Puck.
1: You know, a new reliever I didn't know about.
2: Yeah, so AJ Puck. Because I, I, I did a, you know, I was going through a breakdown. And we're talking about, you know. Uh, the trade deadline coming up. Just looking through some guys in the system who the A's could even trade, and AJ Puck was one of the guys, but he has a six eight nine ERA. You got Jesus Lazardo, I mean, I mean, uh, are you going to trade him? I mean, what's the value right now? He's he has a he's one and two with a six seven five ERA in seven starts, 20, 22 strikeouts, fourteen walks and twenty four innings pitched. That's not a lot of innings pitched in seven starts, to be honest. Uh, Logan Davidson, your number one pick from 2019, is hitting 207 in Double Midland with four homers, 33 RBIs, and 87 strikeouts and 261 at bats. Tyler Soderstrom, um, who you'll hear from Alex Jensen tomorrow, the voice of the Stockton Ports, he's uh, hitting 304 in Low A, so he's probably not going anywhere. Grant Holmes has a 907 ERA in Triple A Las Vegas, and he's demoted to the bullpen. Dalton Jeffries is 3-1 and one with a 5 ERA as a starter in AAA Las Vegas. So, there's just some guys that you, maybe you're looking, maybe the A's could trade, I mean, if you're looking at some names. I mean, those that, those numbers aren't very good. I mean, I know AAA, AAA West doesn't have great numbers for pitching, but still.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, you're not trading Tyler. No. I mean, he might be the one legit guy you got. Because as we know, the, the farm system has not been rated very high. Coming up next, we'll talk to the voice of your Oakland Athletics. Ken Korak will join us right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Ramon Laureano. And
0: the throw is going to be in time at the plate. Laureano firing a strike all the way on the line.
1: And you're listening to Ace Cast, your 24-7 destination for Ace Baseball. Yeah, we're getting you ready for the little Ace Baseball coming up on Ace Total Access. What time is this game to start? Uh, the game's
2: first pitch is seven ten. Ace total access is at six. Oh,
1: they're back to the regular time up in Seattle.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a weird it's like isn't it like three straight seven ten starts? Yeah,
1: because you know how much I love that Saturday night seven ten start. That's always magical.
2: And then Seattle or uh San Diego, I believe, is seven ten on Tuesday. I know for sure.
1: Uh, when are they gonna get it? When are they gonna get it? If you're gonna be playing long games, you shouldn't be starting at 710 or 707 or 715. This 630, 640 start time is for I think we all would agree that this, and you can't tell me traffic, there's gonna be traffic no matter what. I remember doing a show back in the day called the Buker and Towney show, and I would have to go to every warrior game. I know, woe is me. Um but there are times where I'd leave when the show was over and we'd throw it to a pregame and Tim Roy, I'd get in my car. Trust me, coming up 880, I'd be going down 880, heading home to the South Bay. But coming up 7 o'clock, it's bumper to bumper traffic. Absolute bumper to bumper. So it doesn't matter. I I just... I think Ken, Ken Korak is a vi- very, very bright man, and I believe he'll agree with me. If there's anything we should ban in Major League Baseball, it's starting games after 7 o'clock. Would you agree? Wouldn't bother me at all.
6: I mean, at my age, the earlier I can get to bed, the better, Chris.
1: I, I've been loving the 6.30, <laughs> 6.40 starts. I think they're fantastic.
6: It's amazing how 6.40, and that would be like 25 or 30 minutes. It's not that big a deal. It seems to make a big difference, right? I mean, yeah, I'm digging the 640 starts for sure.
1: Did you, did you see we have a 710 first pitch on Saturday night?
6: Yeah, 710 the first three and a day game on Sunday.
1: Wow. That's...
6: Well, that gives you more time, Chris, to hang out on Saturday and get yourself ready for the show and. Yeah. You know, you could play thirty-six holes or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, I
1: love I love Saturday night being on until one one thirty in the morning. It's yeah, great. I always liked I always
6: kind of liked five o'clock or six o'clock on Saturday because it gave you the Saturday to do some stuff, and because you know we don't have that many Saturdays. But then you get home early enough where you don't feel like you're out all night.
1: Uh, no doubt about it. I I, I agree with it, and I understand the firework nights and all that for the weekends uh, are very very special. But this is a four game set, and then you got the Padres were no day at the beach, you know, and then uh, you got the Angels for four. A's have been good on the road, but this is a road trip though where they can really make hay in division.
6: And you wonder if maybe Mike Trout will be back by the time the A's get down to Anaheim to play that series next week, and. Yeah, and and the other thing too, Chris, is that the A's have 13 games left with the Mariners. So this is big, and the Mariners are, I mean, they're having a surprisingly good year. And as you've mentioned, they've won a ton of close games this year. So, uh, yeah, this is a big stretch for the A's. And the other thing is, we're getting down to it. The A's are playing their 98th game today.
1: Wow. I mean, has it gone by fast or gone by slow? I think it's gone by pretty fast
6: uh you know i think especially and you know we're so fortunate that the a's have been a good club but if you look at a team like let's say you're the rangers and they can't even win they haven't won a game since they beat the a's the friday before the all-star break if you're with one of those clubs then you could say the season really goes by slowly
1: they've been giving up touchdowns in bunches
6: yes they have yeah that's right. Tom Landry is not happy with the defense there.
1: <laughs> the great Tom Landry. Hey, <laughs> hey, one thing to really look at, I think we can be proud of, is the starting pitching. The A starting pitching, giving you quality starts, giving you a lot of innings. Talk about what you've seen with this five.
6: Well, and that was my first question for the manager on the Bo Mel show today, too, Chris. And especially because normally with a club, I mean, there are exceptions, of course. You're going to have some weakness at the back end. Maybe your four guy or your fifth guy just isn't up to par. That's not been the case with the A's. And the best example was the Angels Series, where uh, Irvin and Caprillion combined to give uh, the A's 13 innings and without giving up a run. So in the last 22 games, 2.79 ERA. And we keep saying this, that if the A's offense can come around, Chris, they don't have to be the 27 Yankees but they've got to get better that with the starting pitching that the A's have and assuming they can keep it up and maybe, you know, I don't know if they can keep up this kind of pace, but you figure they're going to be good for the rest of the way. It really should bode well for the A's. If the, if the offense can come around.
1: Yeah. You think about cap and, you know, this is a guy that, you know, he was projected to be a frontline starter coming out of UCLA. That's why, the Yankees took him with the 16th overall pick. So it's not like, you know, the A's found a guy off the scrap heap. It's just they they, they took a gamble on a guy who was hurt. But now uh, he's paying off. And now we see why the Yankees took him in the first round.
6: And it's not always a given, Chris, with someone who was hit with the injuries that he was hit with, that you're going to maintain that type of effectiveness. And he deserves a lot of credit, of course, for the perseverance, because he just, didn't fish many innings for all those years, but sometimes all the the injuries whittle away at a pitcher's ability to be effective. That hasn't happened with him. So, you're right. You can see right now the way he's pitching why the Yankees drafted him number one.
1: Yeah, he's got that look of that bulldog, because it's not like he's You know, he's out there, and he's throwing 100 miles an hour and blowing everybody away. It's just he's got the four pitches. He utilizes them all. I mean, just talk about what you've seen from him as a pitcher.
6: He's got some funk because he's a little three-quarters. He's a little herky-jerky. I think it's a little different angle, and my sense is that he hides the ball pretty well, Uh, you know, because that kind of funky nature, the way he kind of hides the ball behind his, his front shoulder, Chris, in his delivery. And I think the other thing, too, about him is that he really competes. He works out of jams. And you can go back to his first start against the Red Sox at Fenway. And so a couple of guys on base, he just seems to get better. And he has movement on his pitches. And he has an unusual kind of grip on his changeup. It's not the standard grip, but uh, he has all four pitches now. They're all working for him. And I I just get the sense that, that he's tough to pick up because we haven't. Now, he's given up some home runs uh that's really been kind of his only achilles but i just get the feeling chris that the hitters don't see the ball that well against him
1: yeah and i think that's why we we write down a lot of reverse k's because they're just not seeing it and and it's been fun to watch and you know the other day and I, you can tell the players have kind of missed us a little bit and I walked over to where we do a's cast live and you know we didn't interview him we just hung out and talked for about 10 minutes and he's such a nice kid and you know for him just to be healthy right now and to take every start. And, and really these guys can, and you can speak to this being around the game is, you know, it's one thing to learn to be a starter, but to do it year in year out where you're taking the ball every five days. Talk about how that's such a great skill.
6: It is. And he's having that this year, really for maybe the, maybe the second time in his career that you could count on him to make every start. And I think it goes back to, uh, the offseason when he re- really rededicated himself, Chris, not only to his mechanics cause that was big, but also the mental side of things. So I think he's stronger physically and he's stronger mentally than he's been maybe in any time that he's fished for the A's. And we've seen it with the velocity. And for instance, his best start of the year was against the Mariners on June 2nd. This is a rematch tonight of that game with Manaya against Flexen, when Sean went nine for the first time since The no-hitter against the Red Sox back in '18. So, uh, but you're right. He is a great kid. He's one of the best guys in the club, just to talk to. Even if you're not interviewing him, like, like you said, because he always has some insightful stuff, and he's really personable. And I remember doing some charitable stuff with him before COVID hit. We couldn't do that last year. Some stuff over the holidays, and he just he's just great. The way he interacted with kids out here in the East Bay, and uh, his numbers are deceiving too, right? I mean, six and six but yet he have got the sixth best ERA in the league. So if he'd gotten any support at all, he could have 10 wins by now.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at today's lineup, by the way, was there anything meaningful said today with Bob Melvin before the game?
6: Well, I think it was all breaking news and you'll have to listen to the show.
1: <laughs> There's a trade.
6: <laughs>
1: well, Nelson Cruz going to Tampa Bay, right? Yeah, that was, I mean, bravo to them. I think, don't you think that's just a huge pickup?
6: Absolutely. And I think, especially in that ballpark where the ball really flies, he could do a lot of damage there, Chris. And this is a club, the Rays, that, I mean, they're in it to win it. And I'd be surprised if they didn't make, you know, I, I, I think the Rays and the A's will both make the postseason. I don't know whether whether the A's can pass the Astros or whether the Rays can win their division. But I think both these clubs have a chance. Maybe they're going to see each other again in the postseason this year.
1: Yeah, the thing that scares me a little bit is I'm just looking at the A's lineup, and these are some of the averages. Uh, 239, 238, 214, 219, (laughs) 198, 232. I mean, we're almost in August, Ken. I mean, how much does this scare you?
6: Well, it does. And they've got to get Chapman going. I mean, there's no doubt that that he and Bo Mel has a deep faith in him. And he said today on the Zoom call that he thinks Matt will eventually wind up back in the middle of the order. But that's a pretty big bet. And he's batting seventh and he's hitting 219. So, you know, thank goodness for the club that it's not it hasn't affected his defense, which is always great. So you're right. They've got to get it going offensively. They've for the last three weeks, their team batting average is just a tick over 200. So, uh, for sure. And we'll see. Maybe maybe they're going to cook something up at the deadline. You know, we're, but the deadline's a week from tomorrow. So, we'll see what uh, Billy and David might have in store for that, too.
1: Yeah, what's so interesting about the deadline is, you know, finding out who the buyers are, finding out who the sellers are. And I got to think, Ken, it, it, like if you were a GM or and I was a GM and I was a seller, and I had something that multiple teams wanted, I would take this thing to as close as the deadline as possible, because now without the waiver wire process, you might get some GMs, don't you think, that could be very desperate? That's
6: right, but you can't overplay your hand either. We've seen teams that feel like they might be able to make a deal or a big splash by trading someone and getting a bunch of prospects back, and then you wind up. At the deadline and the market runs dry so it's a poker game right so i think you've got to really be careful and you, you kind of have to know uh who you're dealing with or your who your potential trading partners are and the deals that you might have on the table as we get closer so uh, you don't want to get caught in that situation but uh the, you know the a's they're right now you know that the a's have evaluated their club and they've determined where the needs are and now they're trying to find a fit with other clubs around baseball. And you know, Normally, the A's at this time of year uh, do something. And sometimes it's even a significant move.
1: Well, we went out for a couple last night with uh, the great Alex Jensen. And we have found that there's been a lot of scouts poking around uh, the Stockton Ports these days. So I'm sure that's happening uh all at high A. I'm sure it's happening at double A. It's triple A. Right. So, so you know stuff's going on when the scouts start coming around your games.
6: Because Stockton was playing San Jose at Chris Townsend Field, better known as San Jose Muni, right? Yesterday.
1: Yes. The and
6: house, the house that
1: George Brett and I built.
6: That's right. And <laughs> I remember doing games there in the Cal Lake, man. And then, uh, well, I think I'm not an expert on on all the prospects in the system. But I think the best prospects in the Is organization right now are playing for the Stockton club. So guys like Buelvis and Butler, obviously, so of assume they're not going to trade him. So it wouldn't surprise me. You know, it doesn't surprise me to hear that that scouts were there because if you're looking for guys that are up and coming in an organization, might be you know three or four years away. I would be taking a look at that Stockton club too if I was a scout.
1: Did you know that the genius Bill Walsh? once coached an amateur football team at San Jose Muni.
6: Well, I know that he was a, he's a former Spartan, or, you know, obviously the late Bill Walsh, you know, Spartan legend. I did not know that they played football down there.
0: Yeah, I good. spent
6: a lot of time down there when I was doing Spartan football, because of course they, they practice right down near there at South campus all those years.
1: One of the reasons why it doesn't drain well San Jose Muni, home of the San Jose Giants and San Jose State, is that when they had that football field, it was a turf field that they played on. So that's why... I didn't know that. Yeah, that's why the grass is all funky and it's never laid right, and, you know, it's, it's but it's, I gotta tell you, if you love minor league baseball, I mean, Commander, you got, like, partial season tickets to the San Jose Giants? Uh,
2: uno- unofficial, but I go to enough games that uh, I might as well be a season ticket holder. I
1: wanted. One of the best barbecues in minor league baseball.
2: Yeah, I went yesterday and actually helped Alex Jensen on the broadcast because the Ports game was on Ace Cast, but usually I go I go as a fan just to watch minor league baseball, but it's a lot of fun down there. Minor league baseball is a completely different uh, animal than it is going to watch major league baseball. So, uh, And that ballpark's yeah, a lot you know, of
6: fun. Yeah, I'm glad you went, Commander. You know, I had a great time broadcasting in the Cal League. Those are phenomenal. It was a thousand years ago, but Those are just great memories. And we had a little reunion from the full season I did in the Cal League was 84. And a bunch of the folks who work in the front office up in Rohnert Park for the club that I broadcast for, they were out at the ballpark here to see the A's and the Angels on Monday.
1: Oh, that is awesome.
6: Yeah, it was great. Yeah. We've stayed in touch all these years, man. It's really been cool. Of course, we had a great club. We had one of the best teams (laughs) I've ever broadcast for, big leagues or minor leagues.
1: Well, that you know, you know the whole thing about that is like the first half, you could have like an all-world team and you win the first half and then all those guys get moved up to double A and then you stink right. in the second half and you get clobbered in the playoffs.
6: That's right. But that didn't happen with this team. They kept the team together, which was great, and although they lost to the Modesto A's in the playoffs. But uh, the other thing about, you're talking about barbecue. Now, Lodi's not in the league anymore, but they used the Lodi Crushers or Lodi Dodgers too. Used to play at a little tiny ballpark in Lodi, Lawrence Park, and they had the best corn dogs in the Cal League. They had corn dogs to die for.
1: You know what? I do love me a good corn dog. Let's be honest. They had a little corn dog
6: stand to the right of home plate, right behind the stands. And the stands, I mean, they might have had, what, 10 or 12 rows of seats. But it was the smell would waft its way back up to where you would broadcast, so you'd be dying for it from the first inning of the game through the ninth inning, right?
1: Oh, Cody, what do you got?
2: Ken, nothing beats the uh, the experience of the beer batter striking out and you getting half off beer for fifteen minutes. Seeing grown men throw women and children out of the way to get beer. Oh, out <laughs> of
1: the Ken. It is a rush to get in that line. It's two each. I mean, you can't wait for that beer batter to come up.
6: I've seen some strange things at ballparks in the old days when they had the 10-cent beer night. Okay. That I don't think you explained. see that a whole lot anymore, right?
1: <laughs> that never But explained. you can see some strange happenings
6: in a ballpark for the 10-cent beer nights.
1: All right, let's end on this. If I made you GM, you don't have to give me a name, but one position that you would improve with the A's, what would it be? Well,
6: I don't know where it would be. I guess maybe you'd look at maybe the outfield, Chris, or uh, get somebody that maybe a, a DH type, although we're hoping that Mitch Moreland catches fire, Chris. So uh, to me, I'd be surprised they didn't get a bullpen piece and a bat. I mean, to me, those would be the two things that uh, I would look at from an as as standpoint. Uh, but you would like the guys that they have on their club to step up, too. Because they have players who are have a proven track record on the team right now as well, and I think they're capable of catching fire. So I think, you know, that would be you know even more or you know it, it, at least as impactful, maybe as acquiring somebody at the at the uh, deadline.
1: Did you say that Lodi team was the Dodgers?
6: At one time, the Dodgers had their club in Lodi. Yeah. So Cubs had a team there as well.
1: So when the Dodgers were there, were those Farmer John corn dogs? <laughs> that's a good question
6: man that was a cool trip because you stayed in the we stayed in the Stockton Inn I'm not even sure if it's there anymore uh, right off the 99 and you'd like get a week of baseball there because you'd knock out the games against Stockton in Lodi and you stay in the same hotel So that was pretty cool
1: well I, you know I learned this from Alex Jensen last night every series is a six game series so you played the same team six straight times
6: well, that's in the post-COVID days, too, or, the you know, hopefully getting out of the COVID days now, Chris. So you reduce travel. That's so what's going on in the Coast League, or in the league that used to be called the Coast League, right? You're playing six-game series there, too.
1: That's just correct. to
6: reduce the amount of travel.
1: All righty, I'll talk to you after the ball game.
6: Sounds great, buddy. Thanks.
1: Have a great call. You too, man. The voice of your Oakland Athletics, Ken Korak. Yeah, good corn dog. I haven't had, I couldn't even tell you the last time I had a corn dog. But when I was a kid, you know, there was a couple things that that, that obviously we had in our house, right? We had chicken pies, right? San Diego chicken pie shop, family business, been around for 83 years. Check out the chicken pie shop at Walnut Creek, is the sister restaurant to our restaurant in San Diego. So there was always chicken pies. My mom would get the pack of frozen corn dogs. And then my dad as we got older, because everybody hung out at our house. Is that me or you?
2: Well, that's that's your computer. I have three tabs open. It's the same three I always have open.
1: Well, the only there, there's only two sites that play play audio. That's espn.com and cbsports.com. So everything ESPN I've just I've just gotten rid of. So hopefully I could hear it like a couple times it was it wanted to go. And then I got so many tabs up right now. I got Babe Ruth. I got Ray Fossey. I got Matt Chapman. Twitter suspensions. Uh, I got to tell you, I'm reading this thing on how you get suspended from Twitter, and I clearly didn't violate any of these. It's unbelievable. Anyway, so the thing my dad would do, my dad would go to McDonald's and buy a bazillion hamburgers. Remember ham? I mean, hamburgers were like what were they back in the '80s? Early '80s, five cents or something like that. Ten cents.
2: I wasn't. I wasn't even born yet. Why are you asking me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> my dad would go buy like thirty hamburgers, and we and he'd have the and they'd come in these big white McDonald's bags, and stuff them in the fridge, because he knew my buddies were they were all coming to the house and they were all gonna eat. And we just put these, you know, you put like five burgers, six burgers in the microwave, reheat them, and away you go. So there was always chicken pies, hamburgers, and corn dogs at my house. That was three staples that I can remember. I'm sure there were
2: more. I'm gonna be corn dog guy. And you're right. I can't remember the last time I had. Um, well, I live right down the street from a Wiener Schnitzel, so I go, I go there, you know, a couple times a month.
1: Japantown has a Wiener Schnitzel.
2: Yeah, there's a Fossa Freeze right across the street from it. It's so there's not a
1: lot of those around anymore. The one over by me in Willow Glen is no is now no longer. Yeah, God, right. I, I haven't been to Wiener Schnitzel in so long.
2: It's a Wiener Schnitzel, and then right next door is a, the the lo- local watering hole that I go to. Uh, so it's it's perfect. Uh, you got right a bar
1: here. right across the street from your house?
2: Uh, essentially, it's a couple blocks down, um, and then Japantown, right downtown. Japantown's right there.
1: I'm glad I don't have that. That's like that. You know, you you used to live next to a winery. Now you're living near a bar. That's just bad news. I, I'm glad that I've got to actually make. I got to go somewhere. I'm glad that I just can't pop out of the house and it's right there. That's well,
2: you, that's no, no bueno. You you told Ken that uh, you found out that the minor league the game or the Modern league games are all six game series. I, I found out last night that um, I, I found out that. Last night, that uh, Alex Jensen likes to be called Xander. So uh, Larry, there's a little piece of information for you to know. What? Alex Alex Jensen told uh, people he goes he likes to be called Xander. That's what he told the uh, the waitress when we were at one of the bars. He goes, "Yeah, I like you know I like to be called Xander." And I'm like, uh, "Wait, what?"
1: That's not weird.
2: Yeah, it's not weird. Yeah. Your name's Alex or Alexander, and he goes, "Yeah, just call me Xander." I'm like, just oh, me- "Okay, call me Z." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually not bad. Call me Z. Although,
1: you know, that's the that's the thing about like the stock, like if you're an A's fan and you want to see the hopefully the future of the A's, they're in the Bay Area right now. But you know, for a lot of people in the East Bay, though Stockton's not that far for you, so you can head down to Stockton to see these guys. But if you don't want to go to Stockton, you come down here, San Jose Muni. It's a great old school park the house that Chris Townsend built was San Jose State back in the day. And it's $5. Like, I couldn't even believe they made me pay last time I met you there for your bachelor party. <laughs> and you know what I told the guy? I said, you know what the funny thing is? You should be offering me to come in for free because I'm going to be buying all these Joker's beers. And the fact that you should be, you should be begging me to come in because I'm going to be spending money. <laughs> Did I I or did I not take care of everybody?
2: You did. Uh, I'm trying to remember, did we we hit the beer batter? I think we did, at least once.
1: Oh, the beer batter, so I came – oh, I had to work. That's right. I I had to do the show. So I showed up, like, in, I don't know, like the third inning. As soon as I rolled in, my buddy and I buy a beer. And as soon as I walk up, you know, you walk up the little hallways and you look – beer batter strikes out so immediately we went and got in line so i already have a beer now we want the beer batter beer (laughs) you're only allowed so many it was hilarious yeah but you've never seen grown men push women and children away (laughs) so they can run down and get in line for the beer batter because the beer batter and think about it it's so smart i mean it's all cake beer so whether they're charging you ten bucks or five bucks, they're making money. Yeah. And so if I can get instead of you buying one for ten, I mean one for yeah, instead of buying one for ten, I'm getting you to buy forty. I mean, I'm get I'm getting you to buy four now for twenty. And you're buying more. So yeah, you think you're getting a deal, but you're buying more. So you're not. I mean, they're making the money because cake beer costs nothing for them. Cause they buy in bulk.
2: Yeah, and the best part about the uh, the beer batter too is I found out from Jensen uh, Xander, is for short, uh, Z. Z. Yeah, Z likes or or X because uh, like Xander Bogarts is spelled with an X. Uh, Z likes to tell me. Uh, Z told me that um, other teams around the uh, around the league do the beer batter as well. So it's not just San Jose, which I thought it was oh. just a San Jose thing.
1: It's it's well, they may all do it. But San Jose has been doing it forever, like they were doing it. They were doing it when I was in college, so I'm sure they were doing it before I was there. So, but you know, minor league baseball, everybody steals ideas from each other, which is what. Well, once again, it's smart. You're getting people to drink more beer, and you make it fun. Like every, they got beer batter hats, and they play "Roll Out the Barrel." We'll have a barrel of fun. I had I
2: have, I bought one of the shirts to say "Beer Batter."
1: And and you know, and and you know, it's great. Like they have retired women who work the aisles and they're into it as much as the crowds into it. The lady was going nuts. The lady uh, at the aisle, the last time I was at the game, when I met you, she was going nuts for the beer batter, and she can't even drink. She's working. It's a lot of fun. And the barbecue, once again, they, 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 the, the ribs are fantastic for ballpark ribs. They're, they're, they're legit.
2: I got the uh, I got mm-hmm. the the uh, setup from 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 Z yesterday because I, I helped engineer the broadcast yesterday for on Acecast, so they gave me the I got the I told I got home and I told Dina, my fiance, I was like, hey, this is the only time we'll ever get these tickets. It was the luxury bowl or luxury box tickets for the at Excite Ballpark for like the the highest. That's where that's the ticket they gave me to get in.
1: Where where where? There's no luxury box. Yeah,
2: I know what's they call it, the ticket. And then the, I got one free voucher for the barbecue food, so I got free bar, the free barbecue.
1: Ah, uh, there's no luxury box there. Yeah.
2: What do you mean? It's the box that Joe Ritzo sits in, the voice of the San Jose Giants. Alex that's, Alex, and that, I were sitting in the sun.
1: That's called the press box. That's not a luxury box.
2: <laughs> well, Alex and I were sitting in the sun, so. Uh, well. well he, he, let,
1: let, me, let me tell you something. You head to Stockton. They got a legit ballpark uh places like Rancho Cucamonga, Lake Elsinore, all those places actually have real luxury boxes. Those 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 they they you know some of those ballparks cost like 10 million dollars to build. I mean it's not 12 billion like the A's are trying to build, the largest private real estate project in the history of California. Do you know that?
2: Yeah, cuz you told me.
1: Yeah, what the A's are trying to do is the largest private real estate development in the history of our state. So a little bit easier to to build a minor league park in uh, Lake Elsinore for eight million.
2: What about Inland Empire?
1: <laughs> They've got it. They got you know all those all those they were all new yards like in the nineties. Oh, was that the yeah? It was like in the mid to late nineties they all started building new ballparks. How about how about um, not La- um, Lancaster?
2: Yeah, they built a new park. Now they don't even have a team. I know it's sad. <clears throat> I'm going there. In, I'm going there in like a month and a half. Not the ballpark, but Lancaster. Why engagement party? Can't wait.
1: Why have you been to Lancaster?
2: Yeah, I have actually.
1: Uh, yeah,
2: I, I've been to the real Lang- Lancaster, which is the one in Pennsylvania where the Amish live. That's the that's the one you want to go to.
1: Yeah, uh, one of my one of my good friends grew up in Lancaster. I went there once.
2: Once haven't been back.
1: It's windy, dusty. That's where they filmed the Flintstones, by the way. Just a little knowledge for you, just right outside of Lancaster.
2: The movie, Outside yeah, the TV what show,
1: look like where it was like desolate in the middle of nowhere. That's where you're having your engagement party. What are you saying to me? Got to go.
2: Not my engagement party. Someone else's.
1: Oh, Have fun with that. So you're going for one that's not even yours.
2: Yeah, not even mine. Yes.
1: Wow, you got roped into that, my friend. Uh, what are we playing next?
2: Uh, we're not. We're just gonna play a couple, we're gonna play some spots and then it'll lead you right into ace total access. So
1: I'm ready to go. Ace Total Access. We'll be back in uh, a few minutes. We wanna thank Mike Petriello from MLB.com, the face of the franchise, Ray Fossey, Sarah Langs also from MLB.com, and the great Ken Korak, the voice of your Oakland Athletics. We'll be back in about eight minutes.
0: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.